today on It's Time. Well, God, I believe, allows things to happen to us, not because God doesn't know where we're at. It's because we don't know where we're at. Calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. So turn there in your Bible and join Pastor Mike. And this morning, if you have your Bible, I invite you to open them to the book of First John. Way back by the book of Revelation, we want to just encourage you to follow along with us as we look at God's Word. You know, last week when we left off, we found First John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is that important? Because if you carry your sins, it will wreck your life. People don't realize that the way you live has a dynamic effect on every aspect of your life, whether it be in your mind, whether it be in your body, whether it be spiritually or in eternity, sin is a killer. But Jesus came to break the bondage of sin from your life. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through it. And God, for every person listening in this room, around the world, on the internet, on CSN, everywhere, anywhere, God, that you would transform us, that you would change us, and your Holy Spirit, God, would do something brand new in our life this morning to move us from glory to glory, to bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week when we left off, we started in 1 John chapter 1, and then we went into chapter 2, and then we got to verse 12, and just as a review, we should look at this, because again, the reason why, is I like to look at the reason why things happen. Yeah, when kids are growing up, they go through the why years. Why, Daddy, is there the sun? Why is there the moon? Why is there dirt? I mean, questions like that. Well, really, it's not such a bad thing. We as Christians look to see why certain things in the Bible were written. You know, when we look at the book of John, it says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now that we're in 1 John chapter 2, we find John writing concerned for their deep spiritual development. And so he writes and he says and tells us the reason why these things are written. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I like that. God's forgiven us for his name's sake. You know, in the Bible, we find in the book of Psalms, the Bible tells us there for his name's sake as well. It's God's good pleasure to forgive you and me of our sins. 
Anybody that says they don't have any sin or my sin doesn't stink like yours does is a liar. Everybody's sin is bad, but the good news is God forgives us. You see, first of all, we have the law that really condemned it. The second thing we find is we have a Savior to redeem us from it. We have the Spirit to destroy sin. We have the gospel to testify that God, in fact, does destroy it. And we have the Holy Spirit to give us victory over it. You see, sin's a killer. And anybody that thinks you can play on the wrong side of the fence and you won't get burned, you're fooling yourself. That's the lie of the devil. He says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. It's your Father's good pleasure to forgive you. It's for His sake. Why is that? Because His people, you and me, are freed up from our past and we're free to pursue what God has called for us. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Now, that's important because fathers have been around longer. But from the beginning, God wants us to know that his principles never change. Number The next part of this, I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. And by the way, how do we overcome the wicked one? through prayer and seeking the Lord by his Holy Spirit. That's how we overcome the devil. We don't say, hey, okay, devil, I'm going to duke it out with you. Okay, I got my big boxing gloves on here, and you come at me, and I'll pop you in the nose. No. In fact, the Bible tells us not to do that. We find that when Michael the archangel in the book of Jude was in contention over Moses' body. He didn't bring railing accusation against him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. That's all we ever have to say to the devil. Again, I've shared this so many times, but it never seems to end when I watch the TV evangelist jumping up and down on the stage. I'm going to jump on the devil. Well, let me tell you something. The devil will jump on you. Always keep Jesus between you and the enemy. Always, always. The devil's had 6,000 years experience over the, his craftiness to fool us, to cause us to fall. And Jesus knows every trick that he has. Always keep Jesus between you and the devil. You'll never lose that way. He says, I write to you little children because you've known the Father. And by the way, every child needs a daddy. Who's your daddy? See, that's real important. Because when you know your daddy, you'll know who you are because we learn from him. See, we pattern our life after him, after his pattern. And so, because you've known the Father. I've written to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. He says this again. And why is that? Because he wants to bring us back always to the foundational place of our relationship with God. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. It means resides in you, lives in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And again, through Christ is how we do that. Verse 15, new ground here. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not him. What does that mean? Do not love the world. Yeah, you know, you're not supposed to have those globes inside your house. No, it's not talking about that. The way the world is, 
The world system. The way the world perceives things to be. The Bible says there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end, there's death. But there is a way of the Spirit of God that is different than this world, against the course of this world. The Bible says that uh, we're to walk against the course of this world. It's interesting, the word in the Greek for the word course of this world is the word for weather vane. Whichever way the wind's blowing, whatever the, tra- the, the, the trend is, whatever the fad of the day is, that's the way the people go. You're different. Don't ever be sucked up by that because God has called you not to be part of the world, but to be in him. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And there's a big difference. For all that is in the world, and again, this worldly system, what is it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. What is that? Hey, from the very beginning, this is the trick of the devil. You know, it's really funny. The devil's got his little bag of tricks. His number one is discouragement. But the others that he has in his bag of tricks to rip human nature off is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things will drain the life right out of you. Well, what is that? Well, we remember in the garden, Satan approached Eve and said, why don't you eat of the tree? And she says, oh no, we're not supposed to eat of that tree. Oh no, but look, look how good it looks. Yeah, the lust of the eye. Yeah, it looks, it looks like good fruit. I don't know what it is. Everybody always pictures Adam and Eve eating an apple in the garden. Let me tell you, we don't know what the fruit was. It could have been a pomegranate. I don't know what it was. But whatever it was, it was the one tree God said, don't eat of this tree in the garden. Now, I've had people say to me, One of the questions on Every Man and Answer, you don't even have to call in. Here's one for you today. How could a good God put a bad tree in the garden? I've heard that. That would in some way imply that there is a flaw within God's creation and personality. But is that true? No. Friends, there's a lot of things in this world, that are bad for you and me, but good for animals. There's a lot of things dogs will eat, cats will eat, I would not touch. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a bad guy because I've got a can of cat food in my house. But that doesn't mean I would eat it. And if any of you have children, you would do the same thing as God did to the children of, uh, maybe I should say Adam and Eve, his children in the garden. Don't eat of the tree. Kids, don't eat the dog food. Well, you don't love me. You're flawed. You have dog food in the house and I should be able to eat that. Well, that's actually what Satan did. Came to Eve and said, you know what? You know it looks good. Yeah, the lust of the eye. You know it's going to taste good, the lust of the flesh, and you're going to be as God, the pride of life. It's funny, when Jesus, and by the way, so all of man fell as Adam followed his wife, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, was also tempted. In fact, Jesus was baptized 
when he began his earthly ministry. You know, we have the Christmas story and him growing up and and all that. But when he began his earthly ministry, he was baptized. And right after he was baptized, the Bible says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Wow, I didn't think God did that. Well, God, I believe, allows things to happen to us, not because God doesn't know where we're at. It's because we don't know where we're at. You know, it isn't until you put something to the test do you realize whether it will pass or fail. Now again, I would rather check my tires before I drive to Arizona than to be out in the middle of Nevada where there's no one else around and saying, boy, I wish I would have saw that bald spot on the tire before it blew out. And it's a good idea to inspect or look at things. Now, remember, God's never going to put you through anything that he will not see you through. But to think that we as a Christian aren't going to go through trials in this world, we're fooling ourselves. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he fasted for 40 days. And remember, Satan came to him. And he said, if you're really God's son, after 40 days, command this stone to be made bread. And Jesus could have turned the whole mountain into bread if he wanted to. But again, what was it? The lust of the eye. That's what I need. I'm hungry. I want something. So Jesus rebuked him. The second thing he said to him is he said, all the kingdoms of the world are mine, and mine to whomever I want to give them to, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me. And by the way, what did Jesus come to do? He came to redeem the kingdoms of the world. Satan offering him a shortcut, but Jesus didn't fall for the trick, the lust of the flesh. See, the lust of the flesh is, yeah, I, I, I want to redeem everything. I want to be, I want to be that. I, I want to do those things. I want to redeem the world. Satan's offering him a shortcut. And then the Bible says, and Jesus rebuked him. And then he took him to the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, cast yourself down from here. The angels will bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. The pride of life. You see, he was trying to take away his life by challenging him to step off the pinnacle of the temple. So what about you and me? What is the lust of the eye? Well, lust of the eye, overindulgence. If it feels good, do it. That's the way the world is. The second lust that we find, the lust, the the pride of life, is desiring all you see. I think we all are very much aware of what that is. And the pride of life, the vain glory, that, that which strokes your ego. You know you're going to be styling if you have this. It's something that appeals to the flesh. Now notice it says, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. Why? It doesn't satisfy your soul. That's the trick. That's the lie the devil uses. And the world is passing away, and the lusts of it, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. God wants what you do to last 
for eternity. You know, when you stop to think about it, we're all here for a short time. And then we're gone. And you go by and you drive by over there by a Sunset uh, Memorial or cross the street, the cemetery with all the tombstones on it. And you think about that and you think, wow, I wonder how many things those people did matter today in eternity. And whenever I go past the cemetery or a, a memorial park where there the people are buried or a mausoleum. I, I think about that and I, I go, what the things that those people worried so much about and those things that they stayed awake all night over, how much does it matter now? The things concerning the kingdom of God, though, last forever. You might say that might be the, the test that we have to go through. And don't feel bad that God doesn't love you if God allows you to be tested because the testing reveals the flaw. Not to break you, but to reveal where the improvement is needed to be made. You know, they say that before they put a pacemaker into an individual that has heart trouble, they test it. Now, the test is not designed to destroy the pacemaker. It's designed to prove the pacemaker so when it's in you, it doesn't fail and you kick off. That's a bad thing. Well, unless you're a Christian, maybe that's a good thing. The point is the test is not designed to destroy the instrument. Little children, and I like this about John, little children. You know what I found about little children? They can be very loving They can be very sincere. They can be very devious. They can be very fightful. They can fight with their brothers and sisters fairly regularly. They can be quite deceiving. The good thing about children is they're not good at deceiving. I went to my kid the other day and I said, what do you have in your hand? Nothing. What's in the other hand? Nothing. Oh, you really fooled me by putting your hand behind your back and passing whatever it was in your hand to the other hand. We're not good at that. I think it's important that we always realize he addresses us as little children. That tells me we need a daddy. You know, the Bible says, except the man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible also says, do not be children in understanding, but be mature. And so it says... Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. You know, this idea of the, the uh, nobody talked about the end of the world back then, they did. I believe that is spawned in our hearts by God to keep us aware of the passing of time so it will always be about our Father's business. John reminds them that it is the last hour. Now, the thing is, I believe John was actually looking for the return of Christ. But yet at the same time, I realize it is the last hour, and I don't know how many hours I have left on this earth, or how many hours perhaps you have left on this earth. We don't know. So we want to make our time that we have here count. We want to have it matter, because if it doesn't, We're wasting our time and our rewards follow us throughout all of eternity. So he says, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. 
And even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. Now, I think, again, this was put in John's heart by the Holy Spirit that uh, there's a lot of subversive things going on against the kingdom of heaven. The thing is, you look today at what we see in the world. Can you imagine the wholesale sin that is being perpetrated in our society, and our culture as normal behavior? You look at the sitcoms, you look at the, the, the course of this world. And as we go back, it says, do not love the world nor the things in the world because those things are perishing. He says, they, who are they in verse 19? I believe it's the Antichrist. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been part of us, They would have continued with us, but they went out so they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. You know, I do believe God looks at the heart of all things. I don't believe God looks so much at the sin as I think God looks at the heart of what you do with the sin. Because the Bible says we're all sinners. We're all saved by grace. Who's righteous except for Christ? Our righteousness is in him. And the Bible says we clothe ourselves in his righteousness. How is a man made perfect? How is a person made right, righteous? Well, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to sell flowers in airports and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, wash cars for free and I'm going to, you know, no, no. We, we're made righteous by putting on the righteousness of Christ. Always remember that. And by the way, keep that robe on. That's so important. He says, They went out from us. You see, there's a lot of people who start in Christianity. They start in the church. But they want to go out and do their own thing because they're stroked by ego. Ego is that nasty part of us that says, look at me, I'm the guy. I've always told people, if you're a pastor, if you're truly called to be a pastor, and if you're in the pulpit, one of two things. Either you're divinely called and you wrestle with it daily, or you're an egomaniac and you should never be there in the first place. So many times in my Christian experience, I have said, God, I don't want to be here. And as I look today, and they say about 2,000 ministers a month leave the ministry. Now, thank God there's some that come in, but so many people give up. And on every man and answer, I get that call all the time where they've just have given up. They've just been beaten up so much by, by people and their own failures. Anybody that struts themselves and presents themselves as they don't sin, they are, first of all, flat out lying. And even Paul the Apostle said, us sinners, I am chief. What does that mean? That means that we all, if we examine our lives, our motives, our heart, we all realize we come short of the glory of God and there's none righteous, no, not one. But the thing is that haunts, I believe, any individual that stands in front of anybody and tries to present the the gospel of Christ. Why? Because we realize our own failures. It's noteworthy that the priest in the Old Testament only went once a year into the Holy of Holies to make intercession for the people and he had to prepare himself almost for the whole year to make that one appearance before the ark there in the uh, before the ark of the covenant to represent God to the people and the people of God boy I'll tell you the Bible says if they had sinned God had smite them dead pretty important to uh, consider those things 
Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.